0: As we may stand firm and then keep standing praying in the spirit so father we thank you now for revelations to our heart that you would open our heart by the power of the holy spirit to have the eyes to see what you want us to see today lord whether it's conviction whether it's comfort whether it's peace whether it's forgiveness Whatever it is Lord God, we surrender to you in the name of Jesus. I pray for all the people who are watching tonight, and I pray that your presence just fall upon them, Lord God. Father, we send your angels into their homes right now to bring miracles, signs, and wonders of you. And I ask that you anoint David. With your supernatural energy, with your anointing, Lord, we just release the oil of heaven in the name of Jesus. Number two camera person. Yeah. Number one. <laughs> yeah. That was good. Okay, right? Yeah. Okay, and you guys can talk if you want during this. You can say amen so it's not like a sign. Can even say hello, so. Hey, hey, welcome to uh, Wednesday Night Bible Study. I'm David, my lovely wife, Joanna. We are the Herodians. One more time, Joanna. There's the pretty fingers. So uh, we're gathering and we're with a live group. Say hello, everybody. Hello. How exciting. So we're gonna have some fun. We uh, we just had the privilege, Joanna and I, my wife and I, we just came back from uh, recording with uh, Sid Roth Ministries, Messianic Visions. It's supernatural with Sid Roth. If you haven't been uh, on the internet and seen the broadcast of uh, Sid Roth that's been going on for years and years and years, and really showcases God's miraculous Jesus today. Jesus thirteen or hey Hebrews thirteen a Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever he remains the same we sometimes change but the Holy Spirit is here to change us into the image and likeness of his son as we grow from grace to grace and faith to faith and from glory to glory and if we'll allow him to keep us on the potter's wheel he'll add water to make us pliable in the master's hands Because without the water, what happens is the clay falls apart. So the water is the washing of the water of the word and the Holy Spirit. And we become pliable in his hands. And if we get off track, uh, he'll smash the clay pot and build it up again. So if you felt smashed in days gone by, that's not a bad thing. He's just the master potter building you back up into a vessel of honor fit for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. The Holy Spirit's primary job is this, to conform you and me into the image of his son. That's it. Amen. You know People say, well, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. Yep, yeah, yeah. In the process, the goal when he convicts is so that we repent, we turn from one thinking to his thinking, the mind of Christ. When we repent, we return to the highest place with God, we return to the penthouse. Repent. So when we're in the penthouse with God, we're on the highest floor with Him, we have the best vantage point, we can see things clearly, we're co-heirs with Christ, seated far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in Him, where we get to rule and reign because our minds and our hearts now become one with Him and the judgments and the thinking now becomes his judgments, and his thinking. We're not calling fire from heaven. Instead, we're declaring the goodness of God upon the earth. And he's looking for a few good men and women that will agree with him in the earth that he can partner with, that he might release heaven's will into the earth as Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6. Pray that it might be done in earth as it already is in heaven. Is there any sickness in heaven? No, is there any poverty in heaven? No, is there any depression in heaven? No. So we have to pray heaven into the earth when we're experiencing those things. We do not have a God shortage. We have a heaven shortage releasing into the earth from God and he's looking again to partner. Without God, we cannot, and for whatever reason, and if I was him, I wouldn't have made these rules, but without (laughs) God, we cannot, without us, he will not. He's looking for partnerships, somebody to agree with him in the earth. Guess who else is looking for somebody to agree with them in the earth, the devil? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, pause, say law. Pause and reflect and think about that one. Who are you in agreement with? So whatever you're in agreement with, you partner with, and whatever you partner with, you get a part of. How many want a part of heaven? Yeah. How many don't want a part of hell? <laughs> so uh, we all reap what we sow And so when we reap what we sow You know, sow sparingly when it comes to the bad stuff And sow bountifully when it comes to the good stuff So God will not be mocked Whatever a person sows that they shall also reap Whether to the flesh, corruption Or whether to the spirit everlasting Like Galatians chapter 6 So you see the fruit of the spirit The love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering Gentleness, meekness, patience, temperance, self-control And then you see the works of the flesh. So we want to have the fruit of the spirit, not the works of the flesh. It's all about partnership. Choose ye this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods of the Amorites, the gods of your forefathers that didn't know the Lord. But as for me in my house, Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. You know, it says choose life or death. And then it gives answer key choose life. (laughs) What if you had the answers to the test? Could you flunk it? You know, the trusty 66 books of the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth. That is the answer key to the test. And the good news is this. We're all going to go through a test at some time in our life. We're going to go through multiple tests. You're either in a storm of correction or a storm of perfection. Storm of correction getting you back on track with God. Jonah was off track, bought a ticket to Tarshish when he was supposed to go to Nineveh. He got off track, ended up in a whale, and God got him an Uber ride back over to Nineveh, (laughs) spinning back up, pictured pictured Jonah. You know, when you're in a belly's well for three days, the, the stomach acid actually eats the hair off the body and eats all the melon out of the skin, so you look like Casper the friendly ghost with no hair, you're bald, and your clothes are eaten off, and you show up on the beach. Nineveh will be destroyed in 40 days. Talk about God getting mileage out of his disobedience, right? Or you could be in a storm of, and by the way, Jonah got back on track during the storm of correction. God corrected him, and the result of the storm of correction was revival happened in Nineveh. The whole nation repented. Jonah wasn't even happy about them repenting. Imagine you go in to preach in a nation, you're disobedient, God gets you there, you preach. It's the greatest revival in the history, 100% repentance. And you're like angry about it. I mean, that's, that's a hard issue, okay? So Paul on the, he, Paul is in a storm of perfection in Acts chapter 27, and all 276 passengers are saved and he's being perfected to the next level. Joan is being corrected to the next level. Paul ends up on the Isle of Malta, which means honey, the island of sweetness. And he gets a, a, a serpent while he's getting a bundle of sticks and 276. And he's 14 days with no food or water. And he's praying in the spirit the whole time. And, and all of a sudden, an angel appears to him in Acts 27, 25. And he says, fear not, Paul, for all that are on the ship will be saved because of your prayers just tell them they must stay in the ship to be saved today i'm going to tell you this stay in jesus to be saved don't leave the ship don't go to another false religion don't go to this don't go to that stay in him for in him you live and move and have your very being for in him there's life and there's light and there's peace and he'll keep you in the hollow of his hand in protection and provision he's jehovah jireh the lord that provides he's jehovah shama he is forever present He is Jehovah Sidkenu. He is the Lord, your righteousness. And he's the one that fights for you. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, your banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, your peace. Jehovah Ra, the Lord, your shepherd. 16 compound Jehovah names, but that's not tonight's message. (laughs) That's a bonus nugget it's exciting. So whether you're in a storm of correction or a storm of perfection, when Paul put the bundle of sticks on the fire, a serpent came out and latched onto his wrist. So you might have just come out of a storm only to enter into a battle. And what did Paul do? Everybody thought this venomous beast, this viper, this poisonous snake that had latched onto his arm, Paul is going to swell up. He's going to go numb. He's going to die. His heart's going to freeze up in that moment and so they thought surely this man who survived this terrible shipwreck must be a terrible sinner for him only to survive the shipwreck and now a venomous beast grab on him he's going to die in front of us but Paul merely shook the venomous beast back into the fire and suffered no harm then I thought it was like a god and he's like okay yes not it either and so he ends up a healing revival breaks out with Bublius, the, the man who's, you know, kind of running the island, and the mother-in-law's healed and a healing revival breaks out. So here's the good news. You can be disobedient when you're called of God. I'm not saying that's the best thing to do because you could end up in the belly of a fish. <laughs> you know, would recommend you obey. Or you can be completely obedient to the Lord and still end up in a storm, either a storm of correction or a storm of perfection The result after the storm is over is revival. That's good, isn't it? So we're either in a storm, perfection or correction. We're either just exiting a storm, got out of that one, or we're just entering a storm. And that's life. But isn't it better to go through the storms of life with a Savior? As they say in Espanol, ¿Quién es el capitán de su barco? el de su barco? Who is the captain of your ship? Years ago, there was a man in federal prison. He was getting ready to go to um, execution. And I remember what he wrote before he was taken to get juiced up. And they were going to kill him. The last thing he wrote was that he was the captain of his own soul. That's scary. Yes. His best thinking got him a life sentence and the uh, execution table. And to the dying day, he still wanted to be the captain of his own. So how's that been working for you? I don't know about you, but, you know, me, I, my best thinking got me 22 years in federal prison. I thought I was doing pretty good. Ended up uh, stealing a couple of jets for the Colombian drug cartel. Ended up in <laughs> Miami <laughs> or <laughs> Raton minding my own business with a stolen Cessna Citation two jet a Mercedes-Benz and a bag of cash and the feds came out with planes, trains, automobiles, you know, kind of put guns in my head and ruined my own orange juice morning. I didn't pass go. I didn't collect $200. I went to jail directly to jail the next 19 years, six months, a week and a day in federal prison. But as I woke up in that prison cell in Leavenworth Penitentiary, me and the 200 cockroaches, I realized that Something wasn't good. I went from penthouse apartments and Mercedes Benz to the big house with cockroaches. And in uh, Leavenworth Penitentiary, if you're not right with God, you're always just one heartbeat away from hell. And God began to get my attention. As hard headed as I was, that certainly is a wake up call. And you see the guys in the cells across from you, they're third, fourth, fifth time offenders. One guy was doing eight life sentences without the possibility of parole. And I thought to myself, man, this just doesn't seem like the life I want to (laughs) live. I mean, it was like the clue phone. Vanna White was there offering me vowels to solve the puzzle. Took me a little while to get it, you know? And so because of a mother's prayers and a father's prayers, God sent other people to share the love of God with me. And I was a knucklehead, hard-headed hard head, hard head makes a soft bottom and i was definitely uh you know in some correctionable moments so god finally appeared in response jesus appeared in the cell to me in 1990 in leavenworth penitentiary appeared uh in a white robe uh and by the shower there's two other inmates with me my co-defendant and then big george who got life plus 90 it was his fifth offense and and uh, God ended up healing Big George miraculously of, of some sort of colon cancer. That's another story. There was another man in my cell by the name of Shane who got healed of five compression fractures and three blown discs instantly before my eyes in front of my chiropractor co defendant and who examined him afterwards. It was amazing what God did. And God had answered my prayer in response to Shane's need, who was as close to me as here there was just enough between our bunks and building 63 in Leavenworth Penitentiary for us to do push-ups between the, the metal bunks. It was a very 8 by 16 cell, 3 beds, shower, you know, toilet and sink and, and uh, God showed up in response to my prayer as a non believer at that point in my life and I said, God, if you're real and you're still up there Shane has five compression fractures and three blown discs. There's a chiropractor who can't do a thing for him. He's miserable, he's pain, he's 28 years old. And I said, God, if you're real and you're still up there and you heal and you still heal today, I'm not asking for myself, I'm asking for him. This was what I'm watching and he's listening to this radio preacher that he listened to every night, five nights a week on 1550 AM, putting the little radio out and stretching the, the headphones to get the signal you know, scratchy, (laughs) you know. And so I'm like, man, this is a pathetic situation. But in response to my prayers, God set me up in front of a licensed chiropractor who I knew who used to see 100 patients a week on the street before he was indicted with me. And uh, a gel came down on Shane's head, like clear, you could see it, but you couldn't see it. And here to here, I, I looked at it and he had his headphones on. And as it came down over his head, I heard pop, crack. Pop, crack, pop, pop, crack. Shane kind of took off his earphone. And he said, named my co-defendant. And he said, Dave, I'm healed. I'm healed. Hallelujah. And he starts speaking in tongues. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And he got up and he stood up and he bent down to his knees and he bent down to his shins, and he bent down to his feet, and on the fourth thing, he put his hands flat on the ground. He had more flexibility than I did or my co-defendant, and he got up, and he was completely, instantaneously, miraculously healed. So God answered my prayer in somebody's behalf before I was even born again myself. If I'd have died after that prayer, I'd have woke up in hell, and hell I would have opened my eyes because I did not know the Lord. But God answered a reprobate rank sinner's prayer in front of a chiropractor for a chiropractic miracle of compression fractures and blown discs being recreated by a miracle. So some people ask me, you know, do you believe in miracles? I'm like, eh, not really. I rely on them, you know. So that was my... And two days later, I got saved. So my point is, I still didn't get born again right away. In fact, God... I had a hairline fracture in my ankle, and because we were in the hole in Leavenworth, you know, no vitamin D, no sunshine, you know, you get out about 45 minutes a couple of times a week, and, and uh, there's not a lot of good food in there, and uh, number 10 cans was our thing, you know. Crack them open. Anyway, so um, what happened was I said, you know, God, I said, I, I've got this hairline fracture in my ankle, and I liked what you did for Shane. That was pretty cool, but you know, I kind of got a little bit of a need here. And I said, I'm not asking for a sign or anything. I know it says somewhere and there no sign will be given except that which is given unto the prophet Jonah. And I don't want to only end up in the belly of a fish. I'm already in the belly of Leavenworth Penitentiary. You know, you don't have great theology when you're not born again. In fact, most people don't have good theology after you're born again. Right. Somebody said to me one time, they're like, oh, dear, so-and-so's got bad theology. I'm like, really? Yeah, that's probably true. I said, you know, I think there's 20 minutes of silence in heaven where we all get our theology right in the book of Revelation. I said, either that or there's no women up there or there's no men up there. I don't know, depending on what perspective you have on that, right? <laughs> Anyways, so I'm trying to be politically correct on that one. Oh, I think I'm so deep in it. David, throw the shovel up. <laughs> Ignore that one. So it's 20 minutes of silence in heaven. I think that's when maybe we all get our doctrines right, and we're like, oh, my gosh. I heard this one funny story. guy has a dream, and he goes up to heaven, and uh, he's up there, and St. Peter meets him, and he's going by these, and you know, they're just worshiping, you know, the Pentecostals, they've got tambourines, they're rolling around, speaking in tongues. And he goes to the next, the Catholics are there, and they're all like very stoic, you know, they're very this and that. And he goes from room, and he goes by one, he goes, oh, shh, Peter's like, be quiet. He goes, why? He walks by one denomination. He goes, why do we have to be quiet by them? He goes, well, they think they're the only ones up here. <laughs> and so I think, you know, if we believe in Jesus, and he's our Lord and Savior, that qualifies us. So stop looking askance at other denominations or 31 flavors of you know ice cream over a Baskin Robbins. It's all ice cream, and if they believe in Jesus, they've got him in their heart. He's their Lord and Savior. That's your brother or sister. You're going to spend eternity with them. Anyway, you might as well get along with them now. And if you have a right vertical relationship with God, heaven to earth, then automatically out of that right relationship with heaven comes a horizontal relationship with mankind across the earth. And that's where you see the cross. Amen. And where the cross is, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. They'll know we're Christians by our love, not our doctrinal perfection. Amen. The Pharisees were doctrinally perfect and they crucified the Son of God. Okay, so, or at least they thought they were. And by the way, God will never violate his word. So it will line up with his word, right? God told me, uh, I'll never violate my, my word, but I have no problem violating your interpretation of it. <laughs> Pause, say la. how many of us have changed our theology over the years yeah. and so I said to my friend I said yeah he's got bad theology I said uh you know let's pray for him and he's like what do you mean let's pray for him pray that he repents pray that I said let's just go ahead and pray I'll lead the prayer and I said Lord if so-and-so is an error correct him and change him if we're an error correct us and change us but change us both into the image and likeness of your son amen, amen. He looked at me, and he looked up. He goes, I think you got me on that one. (laughs) So give grace to other people. So we just returned uh, ministering. uh, We were recording with Sid Roth Ministries. It was a lot of fun. My wife and I, wave again, Joanna. There's the fingers. Ooh. (laughs) So she played piano, and uh, we had the privilege of, uh, they just actually released uh, the social media platform today. We taught on freezing time freezing time. And so I'd never been taught on in Sid Roth. And so a revelation I'd kind of picked up from a friend of mine, Pastor Dan in Kansas City. And sometimes you can get a revelation and kind of take it to the next level, or sometimes you get a revelation, share it, they take it to the next level. But we all learn from each other, right? Iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen the countenance of his friend. Iron sharpens iron, so does one man or woman sharpen the countenance of their friend, but you don't sharpen the countenance of your enemy. You put divots in their head. So when you're debating doctrinal issues, make sure you remain friendly and you'll sharpen each other. If not, you'll wound each other. And so if you can't do it without wounding, don't do it. Somebody said to me one day, oh, I won the doctrinal argument. I'm like, did you win the soul? (laughs) But I won the doctrinal argument. But did you win the soul? Did you win your brother or sister? Or did you win the unsaved? Or did you just contend for the faith? Sometimes we have to meet people where they're at, and if our love level's not higher than their doctrinal issue, don't even go. Meet people where they're at. If your love level's not above their issue level, don't go. Don't worry about theology at that point. Worry about neology, get on your knees until God fills you with that love, so then you can go pour into them the love of God. And I was indicted three times on the same evidence in different jurisdictions over a period of four years, 11 months, and 27 days. So I got indicted three times over about five years. The last time, while I was sitting there, you know, minding my own business, doing 22 years, all of a sudden I get indicted again. And the government's key witness against me is the same person who was my co-defendant in that cell that saw the miracle, that saw Jesus appear, that saw the glory cloud appear, where we had tongues and interpretation of tongues miracle science wonders encounters with god and he helped lead me to the cross for salvation for so five years later he helped leads me to the cross for crucifixion and i'm indicted again so the government's key witness is my own brother in the lord the prosecutor who kept getting me indicted was withholding evidence and the government's key witness against me was at that time Four years earlier, five years earlier, was then indicted later on for perjury premised upon his testimony against me. I'd originally pled guilty for two years, was my agreement. They indicted me again. I ended up with plea agreement for five years, and then the judge died, and I ended up with 22 years. While I was on appeal, they indicted the government's key witness for perjury premised upon his testimony against me, a different prosecutor, and then the prosecutor's final gesture before leaving office was getting me indicted in a different jurisdiction and having written me a personal letter on U.S. attorney government letterhead from him to me telling me that the reason that he was retiring wasn't because of any of the allegations or accusations I'd made against him in federal court of misconduct or withholding evidence or using perjured testimony. He was leaving on his own free Volition and had absolutely nothing to do with me. I'm thinking, thou protesteth too much. <laughs> right? Didn't write it through my attorney personal letter. So God ends up delivering me from that case. Years later, the, process, the, the government's key witness in, is indicted and convicted for perjury against me. And they still won't overturn my case. They won't reduce it. All the enhancements stay. I end up doing every single day of my prison sentence. I did not get a microwave miracle. I was in the crock pot for 20 years behind bars. My soul entered the iron, it says, in the book of uh, Psalms 107. The Joseph in the Old Testament, he was in prison for years, and his soul entered the iron, one translation says. That's why we have a heart for prison ministry. We have Heart of America Prison Ministries, org, and we provide leather-bound Bibles. In fact, Lisa, would you hand me one of those Bibles on top there? Yeah, just grab me one of those. And this is what we provide to prisoners in about 1,500 facilities uh, across the United States. So you can kind of see this, Heart of America Prison Ministries. We send in that on top of the Bible. And these are the kinds of Bibles that we send into the prisons, helping change lives one Bible at a time. Here's a King James, King Jimmy. I like the King James. We've got NIVs, NASBs, large prints, small prints, we've got all kinds of prints. Whatever is a an acceptable translation we do, we do provide Bibles to prisoners at their level of reading and understanding, helping change lives one Bible at a time. We just packed two hundred and twenty bonded leather or leather flex type Bibles and they're going into the prison. Yeah! It's like it's exciting you'd like to donate for Bibles, they cost us about uh, $30 with administrative cost and the Bible. So to get it into the prisoner's hand on a one-off, so to put things in perspective, you could not buy this Bible for $30 and get it to the prisoner. But we have a, a waiting list of about 2,000 prisoners, and we're just sending in 220. I dropped 30 more in the post office yesterday, 20 last week. We're slow-loading them. And uh, we've already got them packed. In fact, they're all around the room right here. And how many people here help pack those Bibles? That's right. We also did about uh, 700 Christmas cards this year to the prisoners and helping change lives one Christmas card at a time. We got some great letters back from some of the prisoners. And one of the things that they said was primarily, and we always encourage the person who's writing those individual handwritten Christmas cards, which, you know, dozens of volunteers do it around the nation, And uh, we always encourage them, regardless of what you write, always remind the prisoner that you are not forgotten. That's really what the prisoner wants to know is they're in that prison cell alone with that cement and the metal, that metal bunk, that thin mattress. They want to know that they're not forgotten. But Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And how will people know that? We have to go and remind them being Jesus with skin on Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 127. And when we go, either by Christmas card or by sending a Bible, or would somebody hand me my book, Jet Ride to Hell? There's one right there. We also donated 15,000 copies of this book, uh, Jet Ride to Hell, journey to freedom. It's my autobiography that kind of chronicles the miracles, of science, the wonders, the journey, the jet trafficking, the cocaine trafficking, Colombian cartels, mafia dons, the miracles, the, the healings, the deliverances, the attempts on my life, and you know, the other fun stuff where Colombians were trying to kill me and, you know, the average stuff. So we donated 15,000 copies of that book into the prison uh, several years ago. And so uh, the average prisoner won't read a Christian book, but they'll read this one with this cover because they think there's action in it. Uh, A media strategist of mine, she a friend of ours, she said, you know, David, your book's a triple threat. I said, what does that mean? She said, it's a triple threat. She says, your book has the supernatural in it. That's the kind of book that sells. She says, your book has redemption in it. God redeemed you. That's the kind of book that sells. She says, your book has crime and mafia dons and drug cartels and penitentiaries in it. That's the kind of book that sells. She says, your book has all three. Your book's a triple threat. So we believe God's going to end up making this into some sort of a series and you know, drawing people to himself and and being glorified through that. So keep us in prayer as that happens. And then we also donate. Oh, and, and by the way, the average amount of times this book is read in a prison. See, if I give you this book, you might read it, and you might pass it on to one person if you read it, because it's 400 pages. By the way, the prisoner, they got time to read. <laughs> we got us a captive audience. And so the average amount of prisoners that will read one of these books that's donated through Christian Libraries International is who we partner with to get the books in. We send them on an 18-wheeler in bulk, donate like 15,000 copies, and then they, they ship them out in boxes of 30 to 50 with other ministers' books. So. We pay for the intellectual property. We donate that. The partners then donate. We, we then get them at very good cost, and then we ship them right from the publisher right to Christian Libraries International and a couple of other prison power projects that we have, prison power ministries with Bill Corum out of Kansas City. And then the average amount of prisoners that read one book is 20 to 30 prisoners. They read them until the covers fall off. And guess what? We get reports back that prisoners picked up the book thinking it was not a Christian book. They wanted to hear about crime and they wanted to hear about stolen jets and mafia dons. But Jesus visited them while they read the book. They got born again. They began to pray the prayers of the journey insights at the end of each vignette size chapter of three to five pages and their floaters and their eyes would disappear or they would get a physical healing or Jesus would appear to them in response to their mother or father or grandmother or the police officer who arrested them was praying for them that they might be redeemed and not have to continue the cycle of going to prison and coming out born again till they're out again or coming out without being born again and on the installment plan doing long prison sentences and they would have an encounter with the Lord. And the testimonies that we get back on a weekly basis at our ministries are just amazing. So recently we were able to use the gift of technology. The Lord had shown me a dream years ago. It's called the Tree of Books Visions. I had it in 1990 while I was in Leavenworth Penitentiary. This uh, sapling came out of the ring finger of my right hand, right? It's not my married hand, this is my married hand, but out of the ring finger where I write. And so it came out in my hand, and I saw this little sapling come out, and it was in the foothills of Colorado. And I was in Leavenworth at the time, Kansas, but it was in the foothills of Colorado, and I saw this little sapling stretching its little branches toward the noonday sun. I was looking at it in this vision, and all of a sudden I saw these two lumberjacks come. And one was a Satanist and one was a Christian, and I thought, what is a Satanist and a Christian doing walking together, stride and stride, lockstep, side by side, in unity? And they came down and they were gonna chop down this little sapling that was minding its own business. And when I saw that, I pulled my hand back and I hid it behind my back and all of a sudden the hand and the vision disappeared. And the two lumberjacks with these single-bladed, long-handled tree axes, all of a sudden look and when they didn't have something in common anymore, they left. And I heard the words, a timber, a timber, a tall timber, as high as the mountains it shall grow. And I saw this jack and the bean and it was coming out of the earth and I was pushed back by this thing just erupting out of the earth in front of me. And there was an angel that stood behind me in this vision, holding me in place. And all of a sudden the scene changed and there was this huge tree and it was like in Yosemite National Park or something like that. And it was a tree and... People were walking beneath the tree. They had clipboards, bright countenances. They were believers and they were busy about doing things. And there was two prisoners underneath the tree. And I heard the words, prisoners will come to the tree in hopes that a book will fall from one of the branches for them. For it is a tree of books. And I saw a book tumble out of the tree and caught it. And he looked at it and he was all excited. And the other prisoner looked at him looked up at the tree waiting for his book waiting for his book waiting for the book the B-I-B-L-E the basic instructions before leaving earth and I saw the two lumberjacks off in the distance you can see this on heartprisonministries.org go to Tree of Books Vision and it chronicles the whole thing because it's happened 32 years ago but if God gives you a vision wait for the vision Though it tarry, it shall surely come to pass. If you stay on track, if he's on, put you on the prophetic railroad tracks, you may not know how far you have to go before you get to the promised land or to your destination or to your destiny to fulfill your purpose. God will give you a passion and empower you to meet the needs of others, the people. And the lumberjacks were there and they were in unity again, a Satanist and a Christian. And I heard the words, the lumberjacks will still come to try to chop the tree down. By the way, you lumberjacks trying to chop the tree down, I got news for (laughs) you. The Lord said, they'll not be able to for now the tree has grown too strong and people surround the tree to protect it. And I woke up and in complete obedience unto the Lord and the calling, I said, God, I don't want to be a writer. I don't even like to read. And the audible voice of God spoke back to me in Leavenworth Penitentiary in 1990 in Building 63 and said these words, just as it was told to Joseph, it shall be done. And the Holy Spirit on the inside of me said, yes, Lord. And I'm thinking, what just happened? I'm like not even a part of the decision making, you know. I'm thinking, my mom's prayers. You just can't run from the call of God on your life. Here I am, Jonah, running And I'm in the belly of the big beast. Anyway, God put in me a desire. I waited. I I looked for three days to try to find somebody to replace me because I wanted to do something else, right? I'm I'm just keeping it real. That's just exactly what happened. You know, I was stuck on stupid. I know what I'm doing. I'm smarter than God. Anyway, I finally realized, you know, because of my best thinking got me 22 years. I probably am not as smart as God. So now I realize that, you know, I had to lose my mind and get the mind of Christ <laughs> and uh, his mind will make you look crazier than you look when you think you're doing the right thing so he'll have you do some pretty crazy things but the fruit of it will always be confirmed with his blessing signs and wonders and life's changed wherever you go he'll plunder hell and populate heaven through your life so anyway fast forward 32 years later now I've written 15 books and we've been donating them into the prisons they're on Amazon Dot com On Kindle and Softback. You can get them off our website at virtualchurchmedia.com. And you can also get them soon, starting in February, at Virtual Church Institute. We're launching an institute called virtualchurchinstitute.com. It's tier level, bronze, silver, gold, and platinum level access, all kinds of curated content. So we're excited about that being released. So you can actually go there now and kind of, you know get a preview we're excited about that but uh what happened was i got this call and they said david 10 books have been rejected but they want your book jet ride to hell on this new adovo tablet i said what is an adovo tablet christian libraries international they created these tablets during covid like a kindle reader and instead of sending in this book they send in a tablet that's donated. And then prisoners, and I don't know exactly how it works, but they go and check out the tablet, and on the tablet is 50 books. And they can recharge it. It's not connected to the Internet. And so they said they want your book, Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom. People are really asking for this book. They're writing it. Can you send us others? So they said if you'll donate your intellectual property rights to Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom, it'll go to 150 prisons reaching 100,000 prisoners with a click of a mouse. And so I thought, oh, let me pray about that. I'm getting a yes. Click send. Shoo, whoosh, with modern technology and, and all, yeah, no shipping, no printing costs, just an electronic email. Yeah. Psh, and the tree of books vision suddenly became populated with books in the tree. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Tell them you have another book called Hope Deferred that you think will help the prisoners and let them know you have other books. So I email back. I said, I have another book I think would be helpful. Also, I've written other books. 30 seconds later, we want them all. I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) So I could only load up six. I sent over the six. I think it was five or something like that. And uh, the person writes me back. You're the most published author on this tablet." I'm only putting six on for now, because <laughs> there's only the maximum of two by another author, English and Spanish. And so I thought, oh my gosh, I became the most published author. The tree of books, vision. It's not your ability to do it. It's not your marketing. It's not your prowess. It's not your skill set. It's the calling. It's the gift. It's the grace of God. It's Him who breathes on something and causes it to come to pass. And it's those that are around you that are praying to protect what God has put in place because we're one body, many parts. We can't do it alone. We need each other. And yeah, God calls forth a a quarterback. He calls forth a linebacker. He calls forth a a punter, a place kicker. He calls forth somebody who's a wide receiver. He calls forth coaches. He calls forth people to do the grounds. Everybody plays their part and we share equally in the harvest. But we have to be in position or it breaks down. And so 32 years later, the tree of books vision has come to pass, not by power and my might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts, the mountains are removed. So two years ago, I'm in Kansas city and I'm presenting at a, at a business meeting unrelated to, you know, Christian ministry. Somebody calls me up at the end and they say, can you just close out the meeting? And while I'm closing out the meeting, I see this person on The front table I mean they're at the front table and they look familiar I can't really figure out who they are but God fills me with love in my heart for this man and I'm thinking who is this guy he looks familiar I wonder he's from my dad's church right and it becomes so so crazy the amount of love I have for this guy that he finally looks at me right in the meeting and he speaks back are you looking at me that way and I said yes I am kind of sat back and so I finished I go over I said it's good to see you, again I shake his hand I'm like who is this guy and he says to me it's really too bad what happened to you I'm thinking well he knows my past okay that's good and he says yeah I'm thinking he's going to tell me we're praying for you he says this you know it's really too bad he goes man you really got to use this word that really wasn't a Christian word <laughs> and I thought man this guy's got you know some real anger about what happened to me he's got an issue might not need to pay pray for him I'm just gonna tell him everything's okay And he says, yeah, but the federal government, they really, and he said it again. I thought there's such venom on his words. He's got a bitterness issue. And he said, yeah, he said, it's just not right. And then he said these words. He said, you know, I'm I'm on the, I'm on the criminal defense side now. And I'm like, wait a second. You're the prosecutor. Yeah. Wasn't. The government that did it to me, it was you. And in that moment, you can become a leaky vessel when you're filled with the love of God. And I had a choice. I was on the moving sidewalk of God's love. Because you're never able to reach anybody for the kingdom unless your love level is above their issue level. And he had a high issue level. (laughs) And you only know part of it. And I'm like, I'm gonna stay on this moving sidewalk of God's love. And I called him by his first name and I said, well, you know, it happens. And he said, I followed you on on the internet. He said, I see you're a motivational speaker. I'm thinking I'm a Christian speaker. I'm not motivational, hopefully you're motivated. But he said, I see you wrote a book. I said, yeah, we just donated, you know, 15,000 copies to the prisons. He said, can I get a copy? I'm thinking, dude, you're in the book. (laughs) like, this is crazy. He's asking me for a free copy of my book. I'm like, love level, we'll say hi. And I said, well, I said, I don't have any with me. I didn't come here for that. I said, you can buy one on Amazon. And I said, um, well, he says, well, you know, when did you get out? I'm thinking, you know, when I get out, you blocked my release up until the very last day, for God's sakes. It's like denial is not a river in Egypt. I gotta keep that love level up <laughs> leaky vessel keep it up don't let jesus leak out stay above and he said wow 20 years he said you look great he says it looks like you haven't done a day in prison i said well yeah he says how did you make it through 20 years And i called him my name i said well So-and-so, I said, I've just learned one thing. Prison will either make you bitter or better. And I just chose not to be bitter. And he looked at me, kind of slouched his shoulders. And I said, well, I said, it was nice seeing you again. I went to shake his hand and the Holy Spirit got me. The Holy Spirit on the inside of me, the same one in that prison cell 30 years earlier, that when God spoke, just as it was told to Joseph, it shall be done, the Holy Spirit on the inside of me involuntarily said, yes, Lord. That same Holy Spirit, I call him Jehovah Sneaky. <laughs> when I went to shake the hands, the Holy Spirit on the inside caused my arms to go around this former prosecutor and to hug him. And guys don't hug long. We're like, good, good, good. Yeah, we're good. All right, let alone prosecutor ex con But about three seconds, and the love of God flowed out of me into him. And as I let go of him, he's like, what what is this? The next day I saw his girlfriend. I didn't know at the time we were talking, and she says, yeah, you really messed so-and-so up last night when you gave him a hug. And I said, oh, and then I realized, okay, this is the girlfriend. He said he felt something he's never felt before. You know, you can preach all day long. You can preach John three sixteen. You can hold it up at a football game. It might have an effect if somebody's praying. You can tell people at Christmas time, Jesus is the reason for the season. It is, but it doesn't have power. But when an impartation, an encounter, an experience, a tangible presence of God that I experienced in that prison cell when the glory cloud appeared and Jesus appeared and I drank from that cloud, and it's in my book, Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom, <coughs> when that stays with you and that encounter that you have with the Lord is not the climax of your experience, but it is the flashpoint and it continues to fill and maintain and stay with you and saturate you, then you become leaky with God's love instead of leaky with just you left over. And I thought, who would think that with everything that happened, that God would allow me to be the one that was in that moment to be a vessel Jesus was skin on. What an honor to be in that moment. But it's only by the grace of God you pass those tests. For me, it was more healing than I think maybe for him. I don't know if He takes that flashpoint and carries it forward and it becomes something that continues on as it was for me in the prison cell at this point in 1990, 32 years ago for him, two years ago. It's a wonderful thing. If not, he can never stand before God and say, I did not know. Our job is not to save. Our job is to share and introduce people to the one who saves and heals and delivers and sets free. Whatever your situation is, whether it's a long prison sentence or a tough marriage or a divorce or being treated unfairly at your job or being persecuted by family or friends, whatever that is, it will either make you bitter or it will make you better. And guess what? It's always your choice Amen. choose not to be bitter Amen. and God will make you better Amen. and the very people that God allowed to do wrong to you that the devil sent against you in your storm of perfection to go to the next level or if you were off course maybe a storm of correction you might be the instrument that God uses for him to go reach in that moment with Jehovah Sneaky (laughs) to hug them and to release the love of God, obey and stay filled. And don't be leaky, be sneaky with God's love. And his grace will abound out of your vertical relationship from heaven to earth and the horizontal relationship across the earth with mankind will reveal Jesus is raised from the dead. He was hung up for your hang-ups and mine. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, if you've never had an encounter with the risen Savior today, I invite you. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear him knocking, you can... Invite him in today. See, in Hebrew culture, the door handle was only on the inside in the house during that time. So a person would have to knock and they would have to pull the rope and they would have to let them in the door. So there's always somebody in the house. So Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You have the ability to let him in or to keep him out. He's all-powerful, but He won't violate your will or mine because He's all love. He goes where He's invited. For me, I had to be indicted (laughs) to invite Him. (laughs) Don't be that way. You know, when you get into a fix, it's because God's trying to fix something in you. And if you can get out of the fix or you can hire somebody to fix the fix, a lawyer, a doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, a senator, a money man, a mouthpiece before you yourself gets fixed. God will just have to fix another fix to fix you. You're in the fix so God can fix you. Just get fixed. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Because if you get fixed, now you're healed. And where you were wounded the most and healing comes now, healing will flow through you. To others, by his stripes, his wounds, we're healed. Where you were wounded the most, drug addiction, whatever it was, when you get healed, healing will flow when you're healed. Hurting people hurt people, heal people, heal people. The only time we look down on somebody is when we're bending over to pick them up, dust them off, put our arm around them, walk them in. So if you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I invite you to do that now. And I believe God's going to breathe on you in a supernatural way because he's a tangible, he's a real God. And what he did for me—he's no respecter of persons. Acts 10:34. If he did it for me in a prison cell in response to my mother's prayers in 1990 in Leavenworth Penitentiary with the cockroaches, he'll do it for you right where you're at. It may be the penitentiary or pride you're in, might be the lockdown of lust, might be the bastille of bitterness. You might have the handcuffs of hatred on or the shackles of shame. It doesn't really matter. He comes to set the captives free. The root cause of addiction is a need for love. God wants to fill you with that love like he filled me with the prosecutor. And he wants to set you free from rejection and approval addiction at the same time. And God's going to do some healings tonight as well as you watch this. So you're ready to say these words. Lord Jesus, I need a Savior. I hear you knocking. And I say, come in. I willingly open the door to my heart and I invite you in. And I know there's some areas of my life as I invite you in, I don't want you in every room. I'm ashamed of some things, but I'm giving you permission to go in and clean them out and to set me free. And I give you lordship of my life. I believe you died on a cross. And I believe you were buried in the tomb. And I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life with your own shed blood. Fill me with your glorious Holy Spirit. Con tu Espíritu Santo. En el nombre de Jesucristo. Con el poder del Espíritu. I just feel like I'm supposed to do something in Spanish. I don't know why. El Espíritu de Dios se mueva a mí. Yo danzo como David. El Espíritu de Dios se mueva a mí. Yo danzo Como David, yo danzo, yo danzo, yo danzo como David. God is dancing in your life right now with his Holy Spirit. And he now is the captain of your ship. You can rest easy now. You can take your hands off the wheel and slide to the passenger side. You now get to be co-pilot. There's your best thinking on your own. Got you where you're at. But now he's giving you the mind of the Messiah, the mind of Jesus, the mind of Christ. You get a chance to lose your mind and get the mind of Christ. How exciting. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Write us at info at virtualchurchmedia.com. We'll send you some free resource materials. That's info at virtualchurchmedia.com I'm going to send you an electronic book and some other things. I'm David and this is my lovely wife, Joanna. There's the fingers. We are the Herabedians, virtualchurchmedia.com If you want to sow a seed, partner with us, fuel us up, send us out, feel free to do so on the Give link. But we wish you a wonderful night. And one final thing, I declare healing. I release the healing balm of Gilead into your life. I break the spirit of addiction completely out. I command the iniquity cords to straighten out and I take the wicked and the crooked paths and I make them straight right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for rewriting their history. Next week, we're going to be talking about how God will rewrite Write your history. David was an adulterer and a murderer, but in the book of Hebrews, he was a man after God's own heart in Acts chapter 13, verse 22. Sarah laughed at the promises of God, and when she was confronted by the angel, she lied. She was a laugher with no faith and a liar, yet it says in the New Testament... It was accounted to her for righteousness if she believed God. God will rewrite your history, forgive your past when you repent as if you never did it as far as the east is from the west. And he'll put up your sins in the sea of forgetfulness and put up a sign and it says no fishing. Next week, God's going to rewrite your history just like he rewrote mine. He did it for me. He'll do it for you. God bless you. David Herabiti and virtualchurchmedia.com and Joanna.